1: And ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow underway. Tuesday edition reacting to all of the college football and NFL headlines starting today and throughout the week. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network live from 6th to Peabody with EHop beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. John McClain joins us as he does each and every Tuesday. NFL headlines going into week 1. Kansas City and Detroit kick off in a couple of nights. Uh, Kurt Schilling joins us in hour number three. A lot to discuss across Major League Baseball as the playoff race heats up. And Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Uh, his scouts and himself included at 18 different college games this past weekend. Chad, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Hutton. I'm excited about Jim Nagy. On Tuesdays throughout the football season, and we have actual games to recap today, which gets me even more excited.
1: Oh, and it, it starts with our top headlines. At how can you not just point at primetime in Colorado uh, as we begin here on Hot Mike? They uh, they showed up and proved everyone wrong. We doubted. We looked at the first two games that are going to be on Fox and said, man, it is going to be rough out of the gate for for. Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes. They go on the road and win at TCU. Put up 45 points against a defense that returned nine starters and the secondary. And Shadur Sanders looks like a power five quarterback and then some. And Travis Hunter lives up to all of the NFL hype, playing over 140 snaps. Both sides of the ball. Incredible interception inside the five. uh, Over 100 yards receiving. Chad, Colorado owned the college football weekend by stunning everyone. This wasn't just one or two or three big national reports or writers that said, hey, uh, uh, calm down. No, it was everyone. It was gonna take some time and it didn't take anything. It took one week to get one win to match last year's one
2: victory. This is a one in 11 program a year ago at Colorado. 10 guys returned from that team, 10, 10 whole players. Came back from that 1-11 team. Completely revamped by the transfer portal with Deion Sanders coming in. I'm shocked. I was shocked when they were playing right there with TCU. I'm shocked that they won. I'm shocked Shador Sanders looked that good. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I was doubting you, Coach Prime. I I doubted you the whole time. I I, I thought this was going to be an easy win for TCU. But I thought that it was going to be one that we were going to be talking about. Regardless, we're not just talking about it. It's the biggest thing going now is this Colorado story and it lives for another week. Only a three-point favorite against Nebraska. We'll have plenty of time to preview that game also. The bottom line is Colorado is not just relevant. They're in the top 25 in this first AP ranking after week one coming in at number 22 in the AP ranking that was just released. Hats off to Deion Sanders. The one thing that was disappointing was the hat he chose. I was hoping he'd go yeah. with the Kevin Costner Stetson. Maybe, hat, maybe at a home hat. games, though. There's still time. Yeah, That still could be time. a Colorado thing. You're right. Maybe at home he'll wear that. I thought it'd be fitting in Fort Worth to also wear that cowboy hat. But he goes with a more traditional look. That team was exciting. Travis Hunter is, without a doubt, the leader for the Heisman after one week. Deion Sanders – is pumping up his guy for the Heisman Trophy at halftime mm-hmm. of game number one, which is incredible. The postgame scene with Deion Sanders, which we're gonna get into, I- incredible. It all leads to a very compelling story. Regardless if you love Deion Sanders or hate him. The great thing about this guy and the way he behaves and the way he talks about his team and how unconventional he is, he elicits a response. He's gonna he's been eliciting response from fellow coaches from media members, he's going to continue to do so. Hutton, I love it. And this team was exciting. They were fast. They were organized. Sixty something yards. They were fun to watch. And the the hire, because Deion Sanders gets all of the pub, and rightfully so, the hire that we slept on and just forgot about was Sean Lewis from Kent mm. State, who was terrific as the head coach there. And when it happened, we all said, man, that's a great hire for Dion's first staff. But he lit up the scoreboard in game number one with Colorado. Travis Hunter is Shohei Otani of college football.
1: Yep. Th- that's the billing. And how can you not buy what we were just sold in, in week one against TCU? This is no fluke win. It's not last year's TCU team. But this is also a TCU defense that returned nine starters and gave up what they did in game number one against a revamped, re brand new Colorado offense, but one that should be taking time. Look at the look at the elite caliber programs across the country and how they're still working through some things. Quarterback changes, new offensive coordinators, they rely on the run game and that's pretty much it. And here's what, four different receivers. Yeah. With uh, with the Colorado offense that's putting up and posting numbers and just right out of the gate ready to go. Well, that that, that was the biggest the, 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 the turning point for me with, was like, okay, what is TCU? Is, are they clunking up? Because you kept looking back and forth to all the games. And TCU would answer what Colorado was doing. But Dion and Shador Sanders and Hunter and everyone else always had the next thing in the plan. And they just continued to roll the entire game.
2: Yeah, again, Sean Lewis gets a lot of credit, offensive coordinator, for uh, completely overhauling what was Colorado's offense a year ago. But it doesn't really matter because all new players anyways for implementing his offense that quickly and having that thing humming right out of the gates with Colorado. Hutton, you mentioned Travis Hunter. Just how unprecedented is this? you got to go back to 1987, and a guy named Gordy Lockbaum of Holy Cross – that finished third for the Heisman Trophy that year. To see a guy who played that many snaps on offense and defense and affected a game like that before that, you got to go back to the '60s. Think about all of the college football games that happen every weekend. Yeah, over a hundred teams playing college football at the FBS level, and how unprecedented this is. What we've seen from Travis Hunter just through one week, remarkable. Well, and the, the
1: biggest buzz I can relate to with a player like this that's not even close to what we saw was a Dory Jackson at USC where he's in all three phases and, and it's not, but it's not every single play, you know, they're, they're just packages. This I mean, the temperature on the field was what a hundred plus on yeah. Saturday and he's playing 140 plus snaps and, and doing what he did on defense too. That interception, by the way, was incredible.
2: Inside uh, unbelievable. The five. Well, just a perfect mix of anticipation with athleticism The way he broke on that ball and how he had to go up to get it and contort his body to do so. Really incredible. Great photo of it that we're showing right now. Um, I I just, I I can't believe it. I I keep going back and watching it and thinking how quickly all of this happened. How much everyone doubted Deion Sanders. And how out of the gates, with all of that turnover, Mm -hmm. somehow, a coach found a way to not take their time and immediately look competent, fun, fast, explosive, everything in a one-off season overhaul. It's, it's the story of the sports year so far. It really is that incredible. And now Deion Sanders is the talk of everything right now. I'm curious to see the, the ratings when they come out. I think that Fox's big noon kickoff show, the Fox pregame show in college football, I think they're going to have better numbers than college game day for the first time ever. And I think it'll probably happen this next week because of the buildup of Deion Sanders. But getting Deion Sanders and being around Colorado the first two weeks, they were close a couple times last year. In the ratings, I think they'll surpass them now because of the Deion factor.
1: And that will be Deion against Nebraska, the first home game. And on game day, they'll be at Tuscaloosa. Yeah. It'll be Alabama and uh, Texas coming up this weekend. Chad, so... Two teams that won by 20 or more points uh, and were big underdogs against Big 12 opponents. Talking about one of them there uh, with Colorado, uh, 20 point underdogs, they went outright in what was an amazing story. Uh, same could be said for Texas State over Baylor. And we can tie both in because of the overhauls. 53 transfers led the country for Colorado, first in FBS. 45 transfers for Texas state. That's number three. And we saw the transfer portal on full display this weekend and how quickly you can change a narrative about a program. It's either changing the narrative about the Colorado program or changing the narrative about Baylor based on the way Texas State beat them.
2: Well, if you hate the transfer portal and you hate guys bouncing around, especially quarterbacks bouncing around, you're going to hate the outcomes of these two games over the weekend, especially for quarterbacks moving. Because this is a this is not just a poster board. This is a billboard on the most trafficked interstate in America right now for success you can have as a quarterback for moving. Shador Sanders at Colorado. T.J. Finley, who was at both Auburn and LSU, and in game one at Texas State, lights up Baylor on the road, and they win easily. Yeah. I mean, they were in control of that game, really start to finish, and win going away by 11 points as a 27-point underdog. G.J. Kenney, 34-year-old head coach at Texas State, another terrific story from the weekend. But if you hate the transfer portal and you hate guys bouncing around, you're not going to like these two stories because this is an endorsement for that. And endorses it, and it
1: also puts even more pressure on the coaches at the very top, because here come everyone to poach and, you know, prod and try to see what they can get from other rosters. We're already seeing it, by the way, and it's not even Dion that's doing it. Travis Etienne is openly on social talking about his brother at Florida and saying how he can't wait for him to get to the portal and get to uh, Colorado with primetime after what they did. Chad, double overtime thriller for Wyoming in a, a great game against Texas Tech where fourth and seven, they get the touchdown. They need the two-point conversion for the win. They get it. Wyoming wins, and um, we win too based on Kelly and Vegas' uh, advice to us on Friday. And how about last night? Duke over Clemson where Riley Leonard and company show up and show out. Meanwhile, it is... a ad- total dud and it's worse than that Uh, a total failure from what we saw from clemson i've never seen that before where there's lack of poise lack of confidence and not just from role players from the quarterback and running back and from the head coach penalties mistakes turnovers missed field goals special teams miscues block kicks and duke wins against a
2: top 10 opponent coming in as an unranked ACC foe. You know, there's a lot of parallels. I'm going to get into this a a little bit later. Uh, Big picture on Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. And I think oftentimes we're too quick to bury someone. I don't know that we are with the online slander right now about Clemson. A lot of parallels, Hutton. You'll remember this. 2008 Tennessee Vols season opener at UCLA where the wheels immediately came off. New offensive coordinator, okay? Think about the parallels here. Mm -hmm. Um, A a guy had left that had been a part of the program for years and years, had been around, was a top lieutenant, Brandon Streeter. uh, You can go back to Brent Venables leaving the program also and the effect that had on Clemson. Quarterback looking lost uh, in the game. There's just a lot of factors in that that reminds me of what was really the beginning of the Tennessee Volunteers' 15-year slumber. They're out of it now. And I'm sure we'll talk more about them this season. Levin wins last year. Beat the hell out of Clemson in a bowl game. I mean, it did feel like two ships passing in the night in Miami a year ago. Tennessee was replaced by Clemson as a national power. Clemson goes on. National championship winning program. Dabo Sweeney will be a Hall of Famer. But I'm watching that game last night. Kate Klubnick looks like a lost child he out did. there. He did. He's throwing the ball to double coverage. He's not seeing safeties. He's sliding feet first. When all he's got to do is stick the ball out for a first down uh, late in the game, I, I'm blown away by the level of incompetence within that program and maybe the biggest takeaway from last night, Tom Luganbill, who does a great job, has come on this show multiple times with ESPN. He's a football guy that's down on the sideline, former Georgia Tech quarterback, who is a sideline reporter watching the game. His big takeaway from that game last night, Duke and Clemson looked no different physically. That... Is shocking. Well, and up front. That is so, shocking when you that, think about the greatness of Clemson over the last 12, 13 front. years. Their
1: defensive front. Just start there from Clemson. And Bill's pointing that out. Yeah. And they went toe-to-toe, like, talent-wise. Uh, and, and props, by the way, to Elko and company for being ready to go and not hearing and chir- all the chirping and the noise about Leonard being the third-best quarterback and he's the guy you got to watch and Clemson needs to be on upset alert. They become the first unranked team in 40 years to start the season with a victory and uh, a 20-point win against a top-10 opponent. And they did it where it was, it was a tight game, but you never really felt like Clemson was in it, even when they reached the red zone. They were turning it over. They're missing kicks. Great job by Duke last night. He's
2: a defensive mastermind. And you can just watch that game last night and see how many great things they do defensively holding Clemson down the way they did um, throughout the game. What a – I mean, 9-4 and in year one at Duke, and now you open the next season by beating Clemson, who's in the top ten when you play them. Incredible job by Mike Elko. Uh, Tough not to – well, it's easy to appreciate the job that he's doing. Tough not to love that scene. Of students rushing the field last night, too, for Duke football. Of all things, to see that that success was pretty cool.
1: We'll get to our biggest surprises and, and biggest disappointments uh, coming up. Chad, just the atmospheres of college football. I was down in Tuscaloosa, saw Alabama. You were here. You saw Tennessee and Virginia. It's just great to have football back, the pageantry, uh, the loyalty, the fan bases. Everything is back, and that's what's great about
2: sports. And it feels like a, just the ultimate reunion Right. Like if you Release. go to your team's yeah. game yeah. or you're out it's it's even just seeing it's like seeing a familiar friend. But it's like thirty minutes past and not thirty <laughs> years. Right. With someone. It's such a long off season to get here to the college football season that when it hits, it's this rush of adrenaline and familiarity that feels like every other year of your life you've watched college football. When you start watching it on a Saturday, I, I love that sense of familiarity. We got it all weekend long. The best and worst. The alphas
1: and the betas from the weekend. We had to t- discuss the SEC and Big Ten. Big takeaways as well in the Pac-12. All of that straight ahead. But you're with us
3: across the Island Kick Network. Hot Mike with Hudden Whittler. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie.
1: Plenty to discuss today, Tuesday edition. At, I you're probably like me. Feels like a Monday. Fe- yeah, it does. It does. Every day feels like a Monday though, really, until Friday. It's
2: long weekends when you get the Monday off. Al- always a weird feeling when you're back to work. Feels like a Monday, but doesn't. And then the Monday feels strange. Yeah. When you're not back at work, there's something weird about wow, that day. There's plenty to react to from the weekend. We should have done a show Monday. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever had like a great time on a Monday of a holiday weekend when you go back to work the next day. Yeah, It's always been a day of transition. Just a day of kind of getting your feet underneath you, yep. ready to go for the work week. It's never been a huge holiday for me.
1: Sixth and P-Bite, with E.I. Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. This place was packed
2: By the way, for I, all the games. By the way, I received a Facebook message from someone ridiculing us for not having a show yesterday mm-hmm. because they said, you are in the service industry. You were here to serve. Labor Day is for laborers. It's for hard laborers, not you, to take well, the day off.
1: I mean, I don't disagree.
2: Uh, I, I responded that It's the first online. weekend of college
1: football. Yeah, I'm thinking. Everyone else is reacting to it. I'm
2: thinking, well, great. Thanks a lot. Appreciate yeah. it. We're like, here reacting to Clay it all had day. a show.
1: Clay had a show yesterday. Did he? Yep.
2: He sure did. Did he talk college football?
1: He did. And other things? Clay's always had a show on uh, Labor Day.
2: Well, we had one last year. We're here now. We're going to cram two shows into one today. It's going to we'll be We'll try, yeah. It's uh, going to be an amazing straight show. Straight
1: football. Uh, so, Chad, biggest surprise for me was the Pac-12, believe it or not. Uh, so, look, we can point to Colorado, and and that leads, you know, what, what is just an amazing uh, feat, right, from what they're wh- who they were last year to this year. But consider – uh, USC—they're they're right now. If you—I'm counting the week zero win. USC helps them here. They're 13 and 0 as a conference. The first time since the 1930s that we have seen that. Um, and Washington just dismantles Boise State. Michael Penix Jr., Chad's Heisman pick looks like he's a Heisman. Feeling good about that prediction. He's a Heisman every winner. I mean, look, he looks great. Uh, Cal, Cal goes on the road to North Texas. Now, hear me out here. This is a game that on paper, just Cal at North Texas, the Pac-12 team should win that game. But it's the way they did when there was a lot of money on the home team with the mean green. Cal rushed for 350 yards in that game. Nearly 60 rushing attempts. I don't really think of Cal as that team. By the way, they host Auburn this coming weekend. And if you start continuing to look around the conference while you can point to some games that were extremely lopsided for good reason, by and large, there is plenty of reason for distraction at every program right now. And they showed none of it on the field. Props to the Pac-12, unbeaten, and taking care of business. I I would not have predicted that.
2: So there's a tie-in to one of our stories of the week with the big upset with Texas State. Jake Spavital is the offensive coordinator at Cal. He was the head coach who got fired at Texas State clearing the way Uh, for G.J. Kenny to come in and do his thing. But Jake Spavita, great first week against North Texas. Davey had Hawaii as the upset pick. That was never close. close.
1: Well, it was 35-27,
2: I think, against Stanford, was it not? Stanford rolled them. Uh, uh, I saw the highlights on Saturday morning on the highlight shows, but they were up pretty big. Um, Troy Taylor looked good in the first week. Just reiterating your point, Hutton, about Pac-12 teams looking good. Oregon State rolled on Sunday afternoon at San Jose State, um, made it look easier almost than USC did, and they were on the road in that game. So, yeah, very good week for the Pac-12. My my biggest surprise of the week, UNC's defense. And we said last week, mm. if they can just be okay, then they're going to have a chance to be really, really good with that offense and with Drake May. They were better than okay. Nine sacks, nine, nine sacks, Hutton, against Spencer Rattler Nine. in South Carolina. Can't happen. Also, what no. can't happen? Minus two yards rushing for South Carolina. Now, this game says a lot as much about South Carolina as it does North Carolina. The Gamecocks were bad in this game, and this kind of follows up where they started out bad a year ago and got hot as the year went on. So I'm never counting out Shane Beamer to have some surprises along the way, but through one week, I was very disappointed in South Carolina. My upset pick of the week North Carolina physically dominated Carolina in the trenches. Now they sent extra guys. They were super aggressive. And that was what's is what helped with the nine sacks and South Carolina's offense could not make them pay. But I was impressed with North Carolina's defense through one week. If they can get more of that or anything approaching it, they're going to be a, a factor in the ACC because Drake may had two interceptions was not great. Didn't have to be great. And they still won by two scores. Didn't they win uh,
1: every? Was it home game or road game last year? They were eight and one or something. Uh, they were eight zero starting on the road, I believe. Um,
2: they got off to that really hot start. They were six, seven and zero, something like that. And then but, they they lost. I think three of their last four. They they hit a tailspin late in the they season. They
1: are they're once again just one of those teams you don't. They just don't come to mind. Like mm-hmm. when I'm, you're thinking we're talking Duke and Clemson, and I'm thinking okay, Duke showed us this, well, here comes the gauntlet of teams, and I'm starting to rattle off some names. And North Carolina is still not one of those teams I'm thinking of in the ACC from a football perspective. Uh, I certainly will now. Um, and, And South Carolina, I mean, a lot can be determined over the course of a season, but in order to climb the ladder and take the next step on the staircase, this is a game that you've got to have coming off the finish that you had a year ago. And this, to me, sets up a season for them that ends up looking a lot like potentially last year or potentially two years ago. I don't think they bought him out. I still believe in what Beamer's doing, and I, I think Spencer Rattler will have a lot of games where he's extremely hot or extremely cold, but, and that offensive line. The old lines an issue.
2: Yeah, and, and you start to realize they lost a lot in the transfer pool. They did. And you see that offensively with all that they lost in, in that game. That they're going to get better. I'm not writing them off just yet. I was just very disappointed in week one. There was no carryover from the end of last year to that game this year. They, they couldn't block anyone. and If you can't bl- block North Carolina, you're not going to block anyone in the SEC. Chad, uh, we touched on my my
1: biggest disappointment of the weekend, and that's Clemson and the, the sloppy, self-inflicted errors. Just uh, an utter, uh, inept performance that we just don't see from them. I know you're going to – dive in a bit on what we're seeing right now with the Tigers program and what's on the horizon. Your biggest disappointment, Texas Tech.
2: Yeah, my – look, and this is simply, you know, uh, selfishly, it's my Big 12 champion pick. I thought they were going to be better than they were. Tyler Shook, they, they were fine offensively. They're up three scores mm-hmm. in the game, and then it gets close, and Wyoming ends up winning it. Hats off to Craig Bowl, who's done a very underrated job in Laramie. They, they routinely win eight games a year. Uh, they were really good in this game, but for my t- my pick to win the Big Twelve, I was disappointed in what they allowed against Wyoming and uh, not just not taking care of business and covering the spread, not winning the game, and losing in double overtime. Disappointing start for the Red Raiders. Plenty of
1: alphas from the weekend, though, uh, and the one game we haven't touched on, maybe the the, the biggest point of emphasis and alpha. Florida State, they manhandled LSU in this football game. Tie game for the first half, and then the Seminoles just took over. And you have Travis, who certainly did that. And LSU just pushed around in ways that we don't see ACC teams do that against LSU, Bama, and others. Georgia, LSU, to me, they can still achieve a lot within the conference. And I still go back to what I said before the weekend. Win or lose, both teams come out of this weekend with everything for them in front of them as far as goals are concerned. Florida State, though, comes out of it as a legitimate college football playoff contender, and LSU's got to get to the SEC championship game now.
2: Yeah, and I think that L S U will rebound from this and be fine. I I really do. They were a year ago. How about after the, call, a rough start? the calls
1: to calls for Brian Kelly's job by the yeah, that's fan base. Uh,
2: insane. And, and look, <laughs> Brian Kelly, they lose in a sloppy game in, in week one a, a year ago in New Orleans to the same Florida State team. They get spanked at home by Tennessee, and they go on to beat Alabama and have a really good finish to the season. So I think they're going to rebound. I think Brian Kelly's the one guy who's not a beta for LSU right now in their response to this game because the postgame press conference said, I, I, we thought we were Georgia apparently. We thought we were the two-time defending national champion. That's how we approached this game and played it. And he said, you know, that's on me, but we're not that. We got a rude awakening as to who we are in this game. And Jaden Daniels looked to me to be incredibly overhyped. And I saw the reaction from Brian Kelly multiple times where he's screaming at his offensive staff saying, what is he doing? When the decisions he was making on when to give up the ball and the read option, where to throw it, where to run it, He's another guy who looked lost at times in this game. And that was a bit surprised to me. LSU's getting a lot of weight off that big win over Alabama. And well, I, I understand that. And winning the West in year one, but keep in mind they looked bad in a loss to AM last last year, the very points. end of the season. Um they a lost little bit three. too much love for L S U and Brian Kelly going into the season. And Brian Kelly admitted as much based on the way they looked in that first well, game. Well, but they
1: so they beat Bama and they also just destroyed Ole Miss. They yeah. were riding those two victories, mainly Bama. But they lost three times by 20 points mm-hmm. and then lost to A&M by 15. So, yeah, I mean, Daniels just looked like the, the, the quarterback from the Pac-12 to me. Yeah. And not the SEC quarterback we saw a year ago that I was underselling. This is the quarterback I thought we would see last year that should improve. And I, we saw a true regression there.
2: I think he will improve, but for one game against Florida State, he looked like the Arizona State quarterback. No doubt. Not the LSU quarterback. Um,
1: Duke. A lot of the headlines are going to be about Clemson. How about Riley Leonard in the performance with, you know, the head-to-head matchups with Klubnick? Everyone knows his name. Riley Leonard's like, oh, there's the guy that's the third-ranked quarterback on Mel Kuyper's big board right now. And he showed up and showed out. Uh, the, the touchdown run that we saw against the Clemson defense One of the top highlights we're going to have at the end of the year. Great job uh, in leading the Blue Devils to the upset victory.
2: Yeah, there are certain performances where you see the tangible and the intangible and the leadership ability. I saw that with Riley Leonard. I saw that with Jordan Travis, another one of the alphas of the week. Both those ACC quarterbacks, to me, not just displayed everything you'd want to see from winning physical quarterback play, but all the, the mental side of it the way they led their teams, the way they talked about the wins post game, uh, I was super impressed with Jordan Travis, super impressed with Riley Leonard, a couple of alphas from the weekend, and two teams that are going to be tough to – and add Drake May, who wasn't great, but is a Heisman hopeful at North Carolina, and suddenly the top of the ACC looks pretty good. And we have to
1: mention once again in this list, just from week one, Travis Hunter. Yeah, Uh, he's he's we should lead with him. He's the alpha of alphas, but we led the show with uh, the he's the leader of the Heisman race right now Uh, playing three different uh, positions and doing it at a phenomenal job. So
2: Dion does not have the C for captain on the jerseys. He's got L for leader and D for dog Mm -hmm. and uh, Travis Hunter wears a D. No surprise. Um, How about the uh, pick by you, though? Michael Penix, Jr.? He looked great. Um, well, we thought th- that game was going to be a little bit more competitive than it was. I thought
1: Boise would at least hang with them for a bit, and it no, no, they did not.
2: Washington rocked them, and it just the it, it's the it's the perfect system for him in how quickly he gets rid of the ball and how accurate he is, and his decision making is so pure, and it looks so smooth and so quick and so perfectly timed up. That's what it jumped out to me last year in that offense at Washington. And now through one game this year, he is going to just accumulate monster stats throughout the year without really being in many games under a lot of pressure. It almost looks easy how quick they get rid of the ball and how accurate he is with it, either short passing and or he down has, the field. Well, one thing I noticed in that game, he has and he can a, run
1: it too. a ton of receivers there. Yeah, It's not just one or two big, playmakers that have some NFL caliber ability. They they have multiple guys that can break a game. Yeah. I've overlooked them.
2: I I I have not um, I know I've got I'm, them in the I'm, playoff. I'm uh, I'm giving you props here. It's also one week. Yeah, I'm not going to go pat myself hey. on the back. I also picked Texas Tech to win the Big Twelve. who just well, lost to Wyoming. Yeah, but so, I mean I've, I've got LSU and I've got Clemson. And you the know I'm listening to Brian Kelly, Hutton. It's all about humility, right? It's all about humility. Can't think that we're the two-time national champion just yet. But I feel good about Washington after one week. Um, USC to be determined with that defense. Caleb Williams had one play. I'm sure you've probably seen the highlight where he runs out of pressure about three different times and just sort of buys time and fires a dart to an open receiver in the end of it, 22 yards down the field for a touchdown. Yeah. That just, it's, it's something that I don't know that anyone else in college football can do
1: to, to, you said, uh, I did see the highlight and that's all I saw of that game. And that's all the Heisman voters would have seen of that game with everything going on. By the way, uh, you pointed this out week one had a lot to be desired. As far as matchups, we had some great moments here Week two is legit. It's stacked. And it starts with Texas and Alabama. And it also uh, will compete with Colorado and Nebraska. Who would have thought about this? Two biggest games. We
2: have some betas to get to coming up, too.
1: No doubt. And two coaches uh, that will lead the list.
2: Oh, some really bad ones. We got some good video, also, of at least one of them.
1: Plus, uh, we... Take a peek at the NFL. John McClain's going to join us coming up in hour number two. More reaction to the weekend next. Hot Hotline with Edna Withrow across the Outkick Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Debuting September 7th. It is Outkick the Morning with Charlie Arnold, 8 a.m. Eastern, across the Outkick network. That includes Facebook, Twitter, X, and YouTube. Check out Outkick the Morning with Charlie Arnold. It launches September 7th, 8 a.m. Eastern. Chad, uh, the network includes our YouTube channel. You can search out Outkick there. You can join Chad in the chat. Fired up over the college football weekend, I'm sure.
2: People are ready to go today, Hutton. they, they They're streaming. Streaming into there, the numbers we've not seen before. And they're also screaming at each other and me in the YouTube chat, which I like. So
1: uh, a rare feat here where Colorado, primetime, Dion, and everything, they, they own the college football weekend from an alpha mentality. But the postgame presser from Deion Sanders, in my opinion, a beta move as he calls out Edwarder.
2: Yeah, of all What's of up, boss? Do you believe that? Of all the you Hold on, hold
3: <laughs> on. on. Oh, no. Do you believe that? Huh? Who said I didn't believe oh, that? Oh, no, no, no. I ran through that little <laughs> junkie okay. boat. I ran through that. I sifted okay, through what all the. What did all I it. write? Ah! What did I write?
0: Oh, no. Come can I ask my question? Do you believe? In what? I believe. <laughs> I believe. You didn't answer me. You don't believe. Next question.
1: I right, throw Romeo over here. Me, go ahead. Werder there, uh, a NFL reporter, covering Colorado and Dion. That told, tells you the importance <laughs> and the, the pull that Colorado brings. But Believe uh, in what? I yeah. love that response. Believe in what? It's one game. Let's also put this in perspective. It is one game uh, with a full slate ahead. Can Colorado shock everyone and go on this massive run with the talent that we saw and the moxie and the confidence that they have, sure, they can take over. And they're going to dominate headlines regardless of wins and losses. But perspective on one victory must be shown here when you're calling out the media in attendance saying, do you believe now? I read all the the, the junk. The bull bleep. That comes back around upon a loss, and I mean, it, the record remains the same. They're 1-0, but 1-0 isn't the time to start pointing fingers back at the media that came and covered the game at TCU in Fort Worth.
2: Yeah, while it's entertaining, it almost comes across as, um, I, I better get my shots in while I can. Like maybe he knows this isn't gonna oh, know, take place that. all year.
1: I don't think it's that. I mean, even on the field, um, post game, you know, they're they're pointing to everyone, you know, counted us out.
2: Yeah, I, look, I, I think it's also just uh, an off season of reading and hearing that. Here's my big issue with that, and what makes this a beta move to me by by Deion Sanders. We're gonna read and hear and see all this stuff about Deion Sanders does not care what you think. He doesn't care what the college football establishment thinks. He doesn't care what talking heads like us think. He doesn't care what reporters think, writers think about it. You can't live in both worlds. Do you care or don't you? Because I just watched a press conference where it's very clear that you care a lot. And you read everything being written. And you're reciting what people have written about you back to them. So you do care. Let's be clear. You care about it. And you're using that as motivation. That's fine. This leads to great entertainment like we saw in that game and in the press conference. But don't act like you don't care. You care. You, you stored it away. As you said, you're keeping receipts. You're ready to fire back at people. That's fine, but can't have it both ways. There will be receipts upon
1: a loss, too. Oh, yeah. Just ask Dabo Sweeney. Just ask Brian Kelly. I mean, they, some of the top coaches in America. Dion's now one of them, by the way. He's the star. Um, they're also reading through receipts and trying to keep them based on the the negative reaction of one game and one loss. Uh, another loss, though, for Butch Jones at Arkansas State. Oh. His record now is five and twenty-two, I believe. And this is not
2: a bad Group of Five program either. They've had some Recently, success. Recently, they
1: have been among the the best teams in that Group of Five. Yeah, uh, statistically and just uh, wins and losses. Butch Jones. Former SEC head coach, now there after, what, an analyst, uh, Aaron boy for Nick Saban uh, yep. a bit at, at Alabama. Um, now a head coach at Arkansas State, and he's not winning, and his team's not playing very hard uh, to the point where in a boat race game against Oklahoma, he's crying on the sideline. And it, you have to not lose the game before you can ever win the game. And he's saying that his team showed up and then just, that's about it. They came out of the tunnel. He's consoled by a, a bench warmer on the sideline during the game because he's so emotional uh, about the lack of effort and performance and give a damn from Arkansas State in that game.
2: Butch Jones has no chill. Uh, this, this was the problem he had while at Tennessee. He's very, very uptight, comes across as insecure, um, and when, I mean, games get tight or things aren't going his way, you see the red. I mean, his face becomes purple at times with frustration. And it's almost like he squeezes the life out of close games or, or difficult situations. Um, there's no doubting the man cares about his job and about the job he's doing and about you know what people think about him, how his team is performing, all of those things. I, I've never had any doubt in that. But you gotta take a breath and relax at times. Now you also have to not lose seventy-three to nothing. I mean that—that's seventy-three
1: nothing against Oklahoma, but not against Memphis, who they host this weekend. Like he's—he's—he's he's, he's taking a even knee on the Oklahoma, sideline crying. Yeah. Uh, as uh, at least I, I perceived him to be crying. He's very emotional. Let's put it that way. And a bench warmer has to come over and console him and walk down the sideline with him.
2: You can't win the game <laughs> What a photo you can't lose the game before you whatever it, it doesn't make any sense um what does make sense is arkansas state losing to oklahoma you can't have a 73 nothing loss to oklahoma uh shane beamer does it make any
1: sense as to why he is blaming the chain gang from the the matchup against north carolina have a listen not not good enough i mean we got him uh, do we have any stats anybody It's kind of the story of the night. Clock was wrong the whole game. We're trying to kick an onside kick to start the second half, and we got to wait on the chain crew because they're eating a hot dog. That's the only disappointing thing about tonight. So, um, I don't know what things came out to be statistically, but um, uh, not good enough. Colin had our chances.
2: I love it. This dude went from taking a bath in that Duke's Mayo of the logo (laughs) you see behind him when they won the Duke's Mayo Bowl to bitching about the chain gang not being ready because they're eating a hot dog and just torches the administration of the Dukes-Mayo Classic. That logo behind him says it all about the two sides of Shane Beamer. Mayo Bath in the Dukes-Mayo, that was good enough for him then when they won the bowl game against North Carolina, same team, (laughs) same stadium. They get their ass kicked, 31-17, and he's up there. The first thing he's bitching about is him not having his stats in time and the fact that they had to wait on the chain game. I get it, though. I, I would be frustrated, too. As a head coach, and that was just frustration boiling it was, over it was 17, from everything in the game. It 14 at halftime. Yeah, and they, well, by the way, it didn't hurt them because they got the onside kick. So if but he had to just, wait on them to get ready for it, okay, whatever, it still worked. I don't know what he's talking about with the clock issues. I wasn't watching that close enough, apparently. I can understand being frustrated by game administration. If you're Shane Beamer and what's being done around the game, That's just the unfortunate timing of it all boils over at the start of your press conference. So the perception is you were blaming the entire game and the way your team played on the chain game eating hot dogs at halftime. I don't think he was doing that. I just think that's the first thing that came to mind as he's standing up there and he couldn't get stats. Jim Nagy, uh, head of the Reese's Senior Bowl,
1: he will tell us coming up later in the show why Spencer Rattler actually helped himself with NFL scouts who attended this game uh, in in the loss where he passed, he only had nine incomplete passes uh, and passed for over 350 yards. But beyond that, what he saw from Rattler compared to Drake May. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, it's time for uh, a segment where we compare and contrast quarterbacks based on uh, Davey Hudson's questions about the upcoming NFL season. It is time for That's my quarterback.
0: It's my quarterback. All right, Davey, let's hear it. All right, guys. So the NFL kicking off this week, and everybody's getting out their predictions. Who's going to be having that comeback season? Who's going to be the guy that just falls flat on his face? And so our first question, and this all goes back to uh, – this segment's kind of built around Monday Night Football, week one last year. But which quarterback is this year's Geno Smith?
2: Hutton, I'll start on this one. I think it's uh, it's tough to know. Like, Geno Smith, you know, was a, a top pick that flamed out that then came out of nowhere and, and did something good. Yeah, I'm going with someone that has yet to really have a chance to do anything in the league. Geno Smith had had an opportunity. I think it's Sam Howell. I like what I've seen in the preseason from him. I think the commanders are going to be a little bit better than people expect. I like some of his receiver options, especially Jahan Dotson. Give me Sam Howell as this year's version of Geno Smith. That's my quarterback. So the veteran version for me, I,
1: I consider just saying Derek Carr because he's, he's the forgotten quarterback with uh, a, fresh, uh, a fresh start in New Orleans and has a receiving core and an offensive line that should do him well uh, and a defense that was among the best in the league uh, for a vast majority of last season. I went along the same lines you did, though. I'm I'm buying into the hype more than I am longevity and and a fresh start. I'm going with Kenny Pickett. I think he takes the league by storm this year. Um, he's another guy that we don't talk about all that much, and he's playing for an organization that is as steady and consistent as they come, and he has plenty of playmakers around him and a defense that will get after it. Give me Kenny Pickett as this version, uh, this year's version of Geno who is going to rise into a a steady, consistent QB that you can
0: count on week in and week out. And so uh, just on the flip side of of kind of having that comeback season, which quarterback is this year's Russell Wilson?
2: I'll go quickly on this one. Um, Call it a hunch. Call it a gut feeling. It's Dak Prescott. I think he is going to perform poorly this year for the Cowboys. And it's going to be a big issue for Jerry Jones and for all Cowboys fans.
1: I think it's just uh, as simple as talent around this guy, Matthew Stafford. They've got the Super Bowl victory in Los Angeles. Cooper Cup is going to be reevaluated for a, a hamstring issue that he's going through right now. And Stafford's coming off a season where they weren't even sure if he was going to be coming back to play based on back issues, elbow issues, and more, I think Stafford continues to head into the twilight and into retirement because the Rams are going to be
0: awful. Uh, Russell Wilson also would have been an acceptable answer. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it would have. I, but, but
1: I think he'll be better than Russell Wilson last year, though. So yeah, I don't think he'll be the worst. It, 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 yeah,
0: it, it's hard for them to – you're what saying they Russell have around Wilson them.
2: of last year just may be Russell Wilson, though. Yeah, so just at, at the that reality. point,
0: we might be there. I mean, I, I expect be. them to win more than five games, but it's not anything to where they're getting in the playoffs, in my opinion. And guys, the last one, Hudden, you kind of talking about Matt Stafford and that that last ride. Well, one last ride, a quarterback that this is their last year with that team that's actually going to be the most productive. Chad, it's it's Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is in the final year of his contract.
1: They're, they're and. it. All indications, at least for me, point to the fact that he's not going to be back because they're about to extend Jefferson and they're paying tight ends. They're going to continue to pay offensive talent. That tells me they're going to have a rookie quarterback or a first, a, a, a first contract quarterback that allows them to spread the money and spread the wealth around to the rest of the roster.
2: Tennessee Titans have a great running game in Derrick Henry. They've got upgraded pass catchers, at least one of them, in DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burke should be better this year. I think it's Ryan Tannehill of the Titans. I think his swan song in Nashville is going to be highly productive and he's going to have a really good season and he's going to be no more because of the contract situation and the direction the franchise is headed uh, with probably Will Levis, who they traded up to draft high in the second round. Give me Ryan Tannehill as my one last ride quarterback that's going out on a high note.
1: I feel good about both of those answers. And if I'm an organization looking for a veteran to come in and just steady the ship or get us to the playoff level, both of those quarterbacks make tons of sense a year from now in the offseason. Coming up, Deion Sanders, college football's biggest star and soon to be biggest villain. Next.